Surprise! Bienvenue and welcome to a bonus episode of The Land of Desire. If you're looking at your calendar and scratching your head, no, you're not wrong. The next episode is actually due a week from now. However, this week we crossed a crazy milestone and I wanted to show my appreciation to all of you. Eight weeks ago, I was just a crazy person sitting in my closet with a microphone trying to figure out how to produce a podcast. This week, we hit 10,000 downloads. In fact, we flew past 10,000 and we're well on our way to hit 20,000 by the end of the week. It's clear that I wasn't the only person out there jonesing to learn more about French history. So if you'd like to meet like-minded folks, head over to the Facebook page and say hi. With that said, here's a little 10,000-themed episode for you. Thanks again. A few months ago, François Hollande, president of France, was outed in a delicious scandal. It turns out the president was spending 10,000 euros of taxpayer money on his hairdresser every single month. For those of you who haven't seen a picture of François Hollande, the best part of this story is that the man only has about 10 euros worth of hair left. The man is not Fabio. By the way, America, Fabio just became a citizen, and I would consider my tax dollars well spent. I'm just saying. Anyway, Francois Hollande tends to wear his hair combed back. Simple, straightforward, your classic boring politician hair. So why does it cost 10,000 euros a month? Well, among other reasons, this hairdresser is on retainer. Because heaven forbid there's an emergency at 3 a.m. and the president has to appear on television with split ends. No. The hairdresser lives nearby and he travels with the president on all his international trips to make sure he's camera ready at all times. Here's the thing about the president's setup. You might say it's outlandish. And you might even say it's outrageous. But you cannot say it's not French. The French invented the celebrity hairstylist in the 1660s when a certain Monsieur Champagne made his debut in Paris. Before him, women did their hair at home with the help of a lady's maid, and most of their hard work was covered up by fabric afterwards for modesty's sake. Monsieur Champagne tossed convention out the window, and he used fabric not for modesty but for volume piling the hair layer on layer into these extravagant masterpieces decorated with lace and hair extensions and who knows what else. His skills were in such demand that he opened a salon, actually convincing women to leave their homes and have their hair done in public. Fashionable ladies couldn't get enough. And by the time the Princess Marie de Gonzague prepared to leave for her wedding to the King of Poland, she demanded that Monsieur Champagne come along with the wedding party to make sure her new crown wouldn't ruin his handiwork. Unlike Francois Hollande's hairstylist, Monsieur Champagne accepted no money. How vulgar. Instead, women were expected to present him with elaborate gifts. And heaven help you if he felt your gifts weren't up to snuff. 
a hundred years later, it was Monsieur Leonard's time to shine. Whereas Monsieur Champagne's clients were a bit unsure about the idea of a man touching their heads, by the 1790s, Queen Marie Antoinette herself kept a hairdresser on retainer. Leonard was called in for the most magnificent events, while his younger brother styled the queen's hair for, you know, the day-to-day. The hairstyles of the day included flowers, jewels, feathers, butterflies, and elaborate shapes so tall that doorways began to look intimidating. It's no surprise that women began turning to wigs instead. It's easier to sculpt hair that sits still, and the whole contraption can be lifted off at the end of the night. No small relief when they could weigh up to 30 pounds. When riding in a carriage, some women would have to kneel on the floor to fit in the top of their hair, or they'd lean over and stick those precious works of art out the window. Here's one example worn by a duchess in April 1774. 14 yards of gauze, feathers stuck on top of a tower of hair, festooned with little wax figurines meant to resemble the duchess's son and nursemaid, sitting next to a wax parrot, eating from a wax plate of cherries, eating next to a wax figurine of, and I quote here, a little African boy of whom the Duchess was very fond. If that's not bad enough, I swear I am not making this up. At least one woman is thought to have put a crematory urn in her hair. So it was a crazy time, but everything must come to an end. When Marie Antoinette's life ended on the guillotine, her head was held up to the crowd by, of course, her very famous hair. So, all things considered, perhaps we should go a little easier on Francois. Sure, it's a waste of taxpayer money, but maybe we should write it off as a quirky national tradition, compared to the ribbons and lace and wax parrots of previous leaders, Perhaps we should be grateful that the president has exhibited such restraint. On the other hand, maybe he wouldn't look too bad with a butterfly or two in there. Thanks for listening to The Land of Desire. If you're just discovering this show this week, don't forget to check out the website at www.thelandofdesire.com where you can find previous episodes, show notes, recommended reading, and lots of pictures. You can also find us on the iTunes store where you can rate and review. Uh, We're also available on Stitcher and Google Play. Join me next week for our regularly scheduled episode, and thank you again for listening. The Land of Desire is written and researched and produced by me, Diana Stegall, the girl sitting in the closet eight weeks ago with a microphone and a crazy dream. So thank you to all of you for helping my weird dream come true. Until next week, au revoir.